over life and death and everything that this world has to offer. And we are grateful to know from your word as well that that power is now available to us. And we pray that you will unleash that by your Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives and our families. Even this morning as we hear your word being read and taught, we pray that we would hear your voice. Father, please strip away everything that is not you and cleanse my heart and fill my mind and, and heart with the Holy Spirit's power so that we might hear your voice here this morning. This is not about what I have to say, but about what you are saying to us through your word. And we look forward to hearing that truth this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, the year 2020 was remarkable for many reasons. I'm sure you have a list. If you keep a diary, you're on volume three as a follow-up here into 2021 for everything that has happened. Uh, one of the things that happened here in the United States of America that doesn't happen every year but we haven't heard much about is that we had the 2020 census. Uh, in the United States, every 10 years, we do a census. Now, Congress has the ability to do it a little bit more often if they want to do an extra one, but it's usually every 10 years. And what happens is they gather all of this information about our country and all the people living in our country, and they use it to make determinations. They use it to, to determine population of the states, which in turn goes to representation in our governments, and they determine and adjust that. There's a whole lot of facts and statistics and charts and graphs and all those kinds of things if you're into that. There is one section that I am interested in, and I was looking at it just the other day. There's a whole section on marriage and the family in the census. Every time they do it, there's a whole section on marriage and the family. And I was looking at it, and there was one big headline as I looked at some of these charts, and it's this, that the divorce rate is at a 50-year low in the United States of America. Less people are getting divorced in 2020 and now 2021 than they have since 1970, which sounds great, except I kept digging a little bit. And I found out that the reason why the divorce rate is at a 50-year low is because the marriage rate is at a 50-year low. And instead of getting married, people are choosing to just live together, have children, move on, find somebody else, have more children. The result is another disturbing statistic from the 2020 census, and that is that 40% of children in the United States of America are either living with only one of their parents or neither of their parents. 40%. Four out of ten. This is coinciding with the fact that child abuse is on the ride, rise. Teen depression and teen suicide is spiking around our country. I found this quote this week. Youth today have luxury, they have bad manners, they have contempt for authority, no, they have no respect for older people, they talk nonsense when they should be working, they contradict their parents, and they disobey anyone who has authority over them. You know who said that? Socrates in 400 B.C. 
The health of the family is not a new concern. And my, what I want to talk to you this morning about is that the world needs healthy families. The world has always needed healthy families, but today more than ever. Satan has been, has been trying to destroy the family since God created it, way back in the Garden of Eden. I know today is Mother's Day, and sometimes on Mother's Day we talk exclusively to mothers. I'm always, you know, I never know which way to go on that. Tim and I talk about it all the time. I don't want mothers to think we're picking on them. Uh, I don't want to just say a lot of light, fluffy things to make everybody feel good. And so this morning I decided to just pick on everybody. How's that? The world needs healthy families. And as Satan has tried to destroy the family since the beginning of time, one of the ways that he has had success for many, many generations is through the simple fact of busyness. Our lives are busy. Our families are busy. And if we're going to live life we really need to set priorities. We really need to look at all of the things that happen in our lives and wonder, which are the things that are most important? I want to help you clarify that this morning. There are things in your life that we could call rubber. If you drop them, they bounce right back. It's no big deal. If you forget that there's a Patriots game on on Sunday afternoon, life does not end. It still goes on. Nothing is impacted. If you miss your haircut, you can just call and make another one. It's no big deal. Some things in our lives are like metal. It's not the end of the world, but if we drop them, it's kind of loud and noisy. Now you can pick it back up. Maybe there's a scratch. Maybe there's a scrape. But it's not too bad. You miss a meeting at work. You get the cliff notes. You forget to balance your checkbook and you're overdrawn. You pay 25 bucks to the bank and they say, we'll forget it has ever happened. And then there are other things in our lives that are like glass. And these are the things that we have to be careful of because they do matter. If we drop them, they shatter into a thousand pieces. And yeah, you could try to pick up some of these pieces. You could put them back together even if you were very, very careful. But it would never be the same. It would never hold water again. The family is one of those things. There's a lot of things that your life can recover from, but a shattered family is not one of them. And everything that is going on in our world today, the elimination of roles for men and women, homosexuality, gender identity confusion, all of this, my friends, is an attack on the family. All of it. We're going to look at some Scripture together today, and I want us to just think about four statements, 
four biblical statements about the family that need to be solidified in our hearts and minds. If, if we're going to be the people we want, if we're serious about being here in the spot for the next 20 years, the next 30 years, the next 50 years, and impacting this community, these things need to be solidified in our minds because they are being stripped away everywhere else. Here's the first statement. The family was designed by God. The family was designed by God. Now, our culture would have you to believe that the family is simply a social construct. Does everybody know what a a social construct is? Okay, let me tell you what a social construct is. Social construct is a philosophical term which simply refers to something that someone thought of at some point in history and everybody else got on board so we all thought it was a good thing to do. That's the layman's explanation for social construct. And that's what our society tells you that the family is. Look, it's just something that somebody sometime down in history thought was a good idea, and it only mattered because the majority of people believed it mattered. And that's not true anymore, so let's just forget it. It doesn't matter. That's what our world wants you to believe. There was a day and a time for the family. There was a time it mattered. There was a time it was effective. That time is over. Nobody cares about it anymore, so let's just forget it. It doesn't matter. It's outdated, it's archaic, it's misogynistic. But that is not true. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, in the creation account, says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Just as God created and designed the world, He created and designed the family. He created men. He created women. He instructed them to come together, to form new family units, to have children, and to populate the earth. And to rule over the earth, by the way. The earth was not put here to rule over us. We were put here to rule over the earth, to use it. For our families, it wasn't created by bigoted, chauvinistic church leaders. It wasn't created by small-minded men as a methodology to keep women in check. God, the Creator, said, this is my world, and this is my plan, and this is the best way for human beings to relate to each other, is by creating families. Which leads us to our second statement this morning, and that is this. The family is critical to the proper functioning of society. Not only did God design it, but it's critical to the functioning of society. Listen to this verse. You may have heard it before. 
Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Anybody recognize that verse? It's the fifth commandment of the ten that God gave to Moses when they left Egypt and they were preparing to enter into the promised land. And here again, God's design is laid out for us. Father, mother, and children. Now, something very interesting, I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, if you've ever paid much attention to the Ten Commandments, is the position of this commandment, honor your father and your mother. The first four commandments are all about loving God. You should have no other God before me. You should have no graven images. Don't use my name in vain. Honor me with the Sabbath every week. Those are the first four. How do we relate to God? How do we love God? And the last six are all about our relationships with other people. Now the first four, and honoring God is first because we need to learn to love God before we can love others the way that we should. I'm a simple man. Tim is a simple man. He'll admit that to you. When people come and ask us, if they can talk to us, they're struggling in their lives or they're struggling in their families. I don't know a lot of psychoanalytical jargon that I can throw at you to help you, but I can tell you this, if God is not first in your life, you will struggle with all of your other relationships. And that's where we always start. And that's where God started with Israel. And after we have that relationship with God, where it needs to be, we begin to look at our relationships with other people. How does that begin? How do we learn how to treat others? That's why the first of the six about how we treat others is honor your father and your mother. This is how we learn to be in relationship with other people. This is how we begin to understand how we treat others in our families first. You're familiar with the other commandments, right? Don't steal, don't lie. Don't murder, don't covet, don't commit adultery. All of those things are incredibly important, but they start by learning at home to love each other. Loving our neighbors starts at home. How do we relate to our parents? How do we treat them? How do they love and care for us? This relationship in the home is foundational to all others. I know if you've ever read any of these stories or heard this before, but there have been hundreds of stories over the year coming out of third world orphanages where children in these impoverished countries are born and then they are just abandoned, sometimes abandoned on the steps of these orphanages or on the street and someone finds them and brings them. The orphanages are way over full and understaffed and sometimes staffed by not many very caring people. And sometimes these little infants are just put in cribs and left. And after a couple of months, to even touch one of those infants causes them to scream. Why? Because they've lacked human touch. They've lacked the love and nurturing that comes when a mother holds her child, when a father wraps his arm around his little one 
and assures them. That's how we learn to care, folks. It's absolutely essential. Family is the foundation for all other relationships, and as such, it is foundational for society. When we see all of the dysfunction in our society, in our country right now, all this disrespect for authority, have you, I'm sure you've seen on the news or online or wherever, you've seen the disrespect for our law enforcement officers all over the country. That is directly related to the disintegrating family. Because if we do not learn to respect authority at home, we will have a hard time respecting authority anywhere. Many of you are here this morning, and you're like me. The life that you are enjoying is at least in part due to the fact that you have listened to your parents' instruction. You had parents who loved you. If you are fortunate like me, if you are blessed like me, you had parents that not only loved you, but parents who loved God and taught me to love God. Maybe your parents did not love God, but they loved you and they taught you to take care of your family and they taught you to work hard. And you're doing that in part because you learned that at home. You need to be thankful for that. Some of you, unfortunately, did not have a good home life. You did not have solid parental guidance. Maybe you had parents who did not love you or you don't even know your parents. I understand that that happens. God can meet the need in your life. He can guide you. He can give you wisdom and strength. And what you did not learn at home, you can, however, teach your family. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Statement number three. The family is where we should be introduced to God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 says this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. God commands his people here. They get, they're getting ready to go into the promised land. This whole new generation, the old generation has died off in the wilderness. The new generation is getting ready to go in and God commands them to teach their children about him. How will our kids know how to honor God if we don't teach them? To love him with all that they have. Where else are your children going to hear about Jesus Christ? You need to understand that they will not hear about him at school, except as a curse word. They will not hear about him at the playground. They will not hear about him on a baseball team or a soccer team. That's your responsibility, parents. 
If you're a parent of a child in your home this morning, it's your responsibility to teach them who Jesus is and how to love God and how to honor him with everything that you have. If you're a grandparent, you carry that responsibility over to teach your grandchildren the same. Let me ask you a question. Why is there water on the platform? Besides the fact that I just opened this bottle and poured it there. Why is there water on this platform and not orange juice? Because there's water in the bottle, right? Water in the bottle, water on the platform. Jesus said that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What comes out of your mouth is what is in your heart. What is inside of you comes out. What comes out of you impacts your children. Please do not expect your children to live what you are not showing them. I don't know why my child has no interest in going to church, no interest in reading their Bible, no interest in God whatsoever. This does not happen by accident. Real faith is active. It's not passive. I know people like to say things like, let go and let God. I don't particularly care for that statement. Now, I understand that there are things that I cannot control. And I believe with all of my heart that God is sovereign over this universe. But do not fall into the trap that this world offers of letting go of your children. If I have heard one parent, I've heard a million say, well, you know, kids are going to be kids. We're just going to let them do what they're going to do and they'll figure it out. Do not fall into that trap. Parenting is not passive. It takes courage and strength to be a parent, to teach the truth. To discipline your children. Yes, I said it. Discipline your children. Discipline does not come naturally. You must teach them. It takes courage and strength to say no to your teenagers and to set standards when everybody else is just letting them do whatever they want. Do not leave the godliness and the morality of your children to chance. In a recent book called Live Not By Lies, Rod Dreher interviewed dozens of people who survived the communist bloc with their faith intact. And one of the things that he said as a result of having interviewed hundreds of people and spending thousands of hours talking to these folks and how they came out of all of that with their faith in God intact and and often many of them, their families intact, they said, listen, you've got to make sure that your family becomes a shelter for your children a place where they can come and know that they're safe and hear the truth because when they step outside of that, they're going to be attacked. 
You know this. You parents know this already if you have children, if you have teenagers, particularly if they are in the school system, they're playing on sports teams, or they're working out there. You know this because they're coming home and telling you these things. And if they're not coming home and telling you these things, then you ask them about them because they're happening, I guarantee it. Do not leave the godliness and morality of your children to chance. And here's the fourth statement. The family cares for its own. This is a verse you may not have heard very much. 1 Timothy 5.8 But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That seems kind of like kind of a strong statement, doesn't it? <laughs> the family was designed to care for its own. Parents are designed to care for children. God gives young people children so that they can care for them. I don't know about you guys that are about in my age bracket, but I know for Melody and I, there was a time when we said, well, okay, it's all right that we don't have any more children. <laughs> so we got a little bit older, and we babysat some of your children. I guess it's okay. I guess that time has passed. <laughs> God gives young people children to care for them, and as those children grow, he intends for those children to in turn care for their parents as they get older. I know that that's not all, we're not always in the same town. We're not always in a position where we can do it hands-on every day of the week. We are instructed to care for each other, my friends. That's what it means to be in a family. Even Jesus from the cross made sure that his mother was going to be cared for, didn't he? Do you remember reading that in the book of John? He looked down from the cross before he died, and he said to John, Son, here's your mother. And to his mother, here's your son. He made sure that she was cared for. A healthy family is characterized by love and concern. A family protects and provides for its own. It nurtures and heals. We care about each other. We care about what happens. And I know that sometimes families are not ideal. And I know sometimes there is hurt and pain. And I know that sometimes things are said that shouldn't be said. But when it all comes down, we need to take care of each other. There's a lot of things that we could say about this world. But I want you to understand that more than anything else, the world needs healthy families. It's the way that God designed the world to function. And this world will continue to, our societies, our culture, will continue to break down as the family continues to dissolve. Now I'm so thankful for all the families that we have here at Moss Brook. Very thankful for moms and dads and little kids 
God has truly blessed us. I mean that. I'm very thankful. And my prayer is for you as families that you would be strengthened in your family. Husbands and wives and children would be strengthened together so that we can in turn bless this community. God has put us here and given us the families that he has so that we can show this world there's another way to live. We don't have to look at what's happening and say, well, you know, that's just the way it is these days. It's not like the 50s. It's not like leave it to beaver anymore. Well, it can be. It doesn't have to be this way. And we can show the world that there is another way to live. And that's my prayer for us. And that's my prayer for you families here. Now, I also recognize in the middle of this, in the middle of saying all of these things, that some of you don't feel like you're part of an immediate family. You're single, or you're divorced, or you're widowed, or you don't have any children. I want you to know something this morning. We want you to be a part of this family. Because not only does the world need strong, healthy, physical families, it needs strong, healthy, spiritual families as well. And that's our desire for this place. That's why we talk so much about gathering. Do you know what has ripped my guts out? And this is not a pity party for Mike. You know what's ripped my guts out over the last 16 months? The fact that I haven't been able to see my family, my mother, and my father, and my brothers, and my sisters-in-law, and my nieces and nephews, and Melody's brother, and sisters, and their families. We haven't seen them. And I don't care how many times you turn that stupid phone on in FaceTime or your iPad or your computer or whatever it is, it's not the same as looking them in the eye and wrapping your arms around them and hugging them. And this family matters. This gathering matters that we are together. And if you don't have an immediate physical family, we want you to be a part of this family. And if you can't go home and get hugged and told you are loved by someone, we want you to come here so that you can be hugged and told that you are loved by someone. Because that's what life is, folks. Life is relationship. And that's what God intends. And that's what he desires. In Acts chapter 2, when we hear about the church for the very first time, do you know what we hear about that church? We don't hear about how many hymns they sang or how long-winded the preacher was. We hear about the fact that they ate together, prayed together, sang together, read the Bible together, and loved each other. And that's what we want this place to be. that we might strengthen and encourage each other to honor God and to share His truth. And more than anything else, we want this to be a place that is a shelter from the ungodliness of the world so that we can encourage each other to be the people that God wants us to be. May God be praised in this place.
Let's stand up together and do it together. Let's worship God together as a family as we close this morning. God gave us a pattern. Let's be sure to follow it. Mothers, may God bless you today. Thank you. Many times you are the glue that holds our families together, and we thank you for all of your sacrifices. And for everybody that's here this morning, can I encourage you to encourage the family, the physical family and the spiritual family, as we shelter ours from this life. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for making the greatest sacrifice of all of your son, that we might be your children, that we might be a part of your family. Thank you for your grace. And I thank you for every single person here this morning, every person listening and watching. Father, we pray that you will connect them to the body, to be a part of this family. And may this place be a shelter of righteousness for all who gather in a place where your name is glorified for decades to come. Thank you for this morning together. Give us strength as we move out into this community. Help us to show your love to those that are hurting, to those that are struggling, to those who need you. May they see you in us. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for being here, folks. Have a great week.